Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, episode 130, and today I'll be talking with filmmakers Eric Zala and Chris Strompolis from the epic Raiders fan film. When these guys were kids, they did a shot-for-shot remake of the Raiders of the Lost Ark film, and they filmed this over seven summers, but the movie was never completed. And 25 years later, they came back to shoot the infamous airplane scene, and you can watch that entire story on the Raiders documentary called Raiders Story of the Greatest Fan Film Ever Made on Netflix. And they're here to talk about how they came up with the idea to shoot the film, the whole process of it, why they came back so many years later to complete it. It's really one of the more fascinating stories that I've ever heard on this podcast. But before we get to that, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from, from Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Divergent, Aragon, Percy Jackson, so many great books to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Eric and Chris. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Sitting here with my two very special guests this week from the Raiders of the Lost Ark fan film, Mr. Eric Zala and Chris Strompolis. Guys, how are you tonight? Good. Hey, How Derek. are you, Derek? Good, thanks. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for, for taking the time to, to joining me. I actually just finished watching the uh, documentary that was done on your guys' fan film. And, you know, I, I read about your guys' story uh, a few months ago, and it was it was really fascinating. And it really, I thought it was a, a fantastic example of, you know, just having the pure drive and determination to, to do to do this so uh you know before we really get started into the conversation i wanted to say you know you guys are honestly an inspiration for people you know even like me who want to go into film and seeing that that can be done uh i i thought that was awesome thanks man appreciate that and i'm i'm uh that's probably one of the more satisfying things that eric and i have uh experienced throughout all, all of this is that you know the true kind of connection that it's had with people they they've uh They've taken the story and the doc and our book and 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 uh, watched our movie and, and been inspired by all of it. So that's a that's a feel good for us. Yeah, indeed. Thank you, Derek. Uh, that means a lot. No, oh, no problem at all. Now, before we get into the actual making of the movie, how did you guys meet? Huh. Um, so, Eric, uh, you want to take that? Oh, <laughs> uh, sure, sure. So um, we uh, Raiders, of course, came out in the summer of '81. And um, when we got back from uh, to school, I was uh, I was 12 at the time. Chris was 11, and we both uh, went to the same elementary school together, and actually met on the bus uh, to elementary school, if you can believe it. Um, and through Raiders, uh, it was a long bus ride, an hour, and there was this kid, new kid, had this Raiders Lost Art comic book. Um, kid was Chris, and I asked to borrow it, and said sure, and. Uh, Chris remembered that uh, and figured I must have been a Raiders fan. Um, and uh, when called me up, um, 
that summer, summer of 82 it was, and uh, said, hey, uh, do you remember me? My name's Chris. I, I borrowed my Raiders comic book. Oh, yeah, sure. Hey, what's going on? Not much. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, wanted, uh, I'm trying to do a shot-for-shot remake of Raiders Lost Dark. Do you want to help? And I thought, I think, for all of five seconds, I imagine all the sets were built, uh, costumes, props in place. I just sort of wander on uh, to help. Uh, but actually, Chris had just come up with the idea bought the script from the local uh, uh, mall and uh, was just getting started. So we met at my mom's house uh, in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. And uh, I showed Chris the, in particular, the big rambling basement we had and, and uh, ideal for an improvised soundstage. And it's in fact there where we wound up shooting the interiors. But over listening to really bad horror movie records on my phonograph, we decided uh, to do it. And to uh, we had no idea how, but we're going to together remake Raiders Lost Ark. And uh, we were so young, we naively thought it would take a mere summer. Ha! I think uh, not quite, huh, Chris? Uh, no, not, not at all. <laughs> but still, you know, wanting to do something like that is is a really cool thing. And what was it about Raiders that made you want to do a shot-for-shot remake of it? Well, for me... The whole idea was, you know, similar to a lot of little boys around that time, which was I just simply wanted to play Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones was this amazing larger-than-life character coming from Star Wars into into Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, of course, you had this iconic uh, actor, Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford playing Han Solo, and so him taking on the role of Indiana Jones in a kind of a realistic setting, it made it made it feel like this hero was a lot more uh, reachable, and um, it just seemed really cool. You know, amazing locations and dangerous stunts and incredible, incredible danger. And you know, what would it feel like to be chased by a boulder and to learn how to use a bullwhip? And you know, such a cool environment in the 1940s with real villains. You know, the Nazis, and you know, it just was so visceral to me. I. I simply wanted to create that world for myself, and that was my driving need. And for me as director, I mean, I I wanted to see what would a shot-for-shot remake of Raiders Lost Ark look like, you know, with kids. When I saw the boulder scene, you know, uh, barrel, barreling, you know, huge colossal rock barreling after Indiana Jones, it's like I didn't know movies could do that, and and you know, wanted to inhabit that world. And um, this is, you know, was for me the next best thing. You mentioned that, you know, being a kid, you're thinking, oh, this will only take, you know, one summer to do. How many summers did you guys shoot, like, consecutively? I think it was seven summers five. in all. Yeah. Yeah, seven summers in all. Uh, five I we mean, were shooting, right, right, Eric? But then two years we were editing. Correct. Uh, well, to, to, to give you the, the, the overview chronology, year one, uh, all we did was pre-production, um, you know, uh, scouting locations, casting. I drew the storyboards over uh, from memory over a summer, uh, but no shooting. Year number two, we shot, but we weren't very good. In fact, there was only one shot, I think, from that uh, from year two that we kept it all. Me with my back on fire, which we didn't want to retake for obvious reasons. But we kept the footage from years three, four, five, and six, and um, and the. Uh, uh, let's see, I guess it was uh, in that final summer, uh, we, we, uh, we reached picture lock and editing and then 
the final, final summer of 89, we, uh, the seventh summer, we finished the sound and uh, had a proper world premiere. Now, how did you well, guys... in our hometown. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you guys mentioned growing up in, uh, in Ocean Springs. I actually only live like less than two hours from there. I live in Pensacola in northwest Florida, so... Oh, <laughs> small world. You're kidding. Yeah, well, well, when I when I saw you know the the welcome to Ocean Spring sign in the documentary, I'm like, holy <laughs> crap! I was just there like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! <laughs> I, as much traveling uh, as I've done and, and talking to people, I'm always struck by what a tiny, tiny world it is. No, absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, what I was wondering about next is you know you you went through and you filmed you know every summer for seven years or you did production for the movie for for seven years uh, was there a particular like scene that you guys enjoyed filming more than any other or you know when you started the the whole process was there a scene from the movie that you guys were really looking forward to doing um Chris, Eric, you want to take that yeah i'll start that off i think i i mean i think i think uh uh the the, the scene that really probably with the initial seven years, uh, which we really enjoyed and where you can probably see that we were, uh, we had reached a really nice uh, stride um, with the team and everything is the truck scene. I think the truck scene was something that we were all looking forward to shooting just because it was so fun and so dangerous and involved cars and, and uh, you know, jumping off of moving vehicles and just, you know, it just seemed really cool. So we were, uh, you know, we, we knew the camera well. We we really knew each other well. And and um, it was all kind of firing on all cylinders. And so probably the truck scene was was the, the, the one that we, we enjoyed the most. How did you guys get access to, to all the equipment that you had? Because, you know, you obviously had to get a camera. You had to get costumes, locations, trucks. How did you guys get access to all of that? Uh, to the camera equipment specifically, or or all that? Just all of it. Whew. Well, let's see. Starting with the camera equipment, um, you know, uh, camcorders were in their infancy at this at this point. Uh, foolishly, we actually rented a couple uh, times. I don't know why that was, but uh, ultimately got a Chris got a Betamax camera that uh, we ultimately. Uh, that actually broke, uh, ultimately. Um, it was, I think, a Christmas present. Was that it, Chris? Uh, certainly I birthdays think so. and Christmases, you know. Yeah. That was, you know, for anything that cost real money, birthdays and Christmases was our fallback, you know. Um, you know, uh, our allowances generally, you know, uh, would support the, uh, the trips to Salvation Army for, uh, uh, Boy Scout uniforms to make them into Nazi uniforms. I, like, sewed 20 traditional Arab costumes on my mom's sewing machine along with uh, acres of uh, cheap fabric to create the tent strung up in my mom's living room. Um, let's see, the Ark built out of about 100 bucks worth of lumber and, and styrofoam. Uh, giant jackal statue in the basement was a uh, repurposed hot, old broken hot water heater with an overturned flower pot for the head and 78 individual styrofoam teeth stuck on nails in its jaw. Um, so, I mean, there's a reason why it took us seven years. There's a, there's a lot to do. Um, but, you know, uh, they say filmmaking is a process of 
problem solving and when you finally finish the last problem, you're done. Um, probably pretty accurate. Um, so yeah, all, all manner of things in our kind of like um, high on creativity, low on budget approach that we tried to take. But I think, you know, having a low budget like that, it kind of forces you to be more creative. And I think, you know, doing something like that where you have to be more creative and you have to push the envelope and find different ways to, you know, create props or shoot a scene, I think it makes it, you know, a, a little more rewarding in its own way. We we couldn't agree more. You know, we, uh, yeah. you know, uh, pe people ask us if we're envious of, you know, the technology that's in an iPhone these days, which far exceeds anything we had in terms of camera and editing possibilities. We uh, only got to edit because Chris, uh, Chris's mom um, had access to the local TV station. So we used the editing room uh, there, but, but you're absolutely right. I mean, limitations force creative solutions and you sometimes get something better than you had counted on. Uh, obviously uh, Snickers is a good example. Chris, you, you want to, you want to tell that? Yeah, I mean, there were, uh, you know, we in figuring out all the pieces and parts of how we were going to do this, we, of course, had to make substitutions, and, and uh, Snickers, the dog, was a perfect example of, of that kind of substitution. And Snickers was my dog, and, and I just sort of posed the, the question to Eric, uh, hey, man, why don't we use Snick as, as the monkey? And, and he said, that's a that's interesting. Okay, let's try it. And and we did, and it and um, and it worked. And and to this day, it's it's a it's it's um, it really makes people laugh, and and kind of um, gives that feeling of a boy and his dog kind of, uh, and still fits within Raiders. So you know, those kind of substitutions uh, that we made throughout uh, were you know I think added to the overall charm of it. Before we continue this really fun conversation about the Raiders fan film, I have to remind you guys that for you, the listeners of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their services. And these are books that range from Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Divergent, Percy Jackson, Aragon, over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download today. Years later, you, know, you guys went back and you shot the, the airplane scene. Now, why was there such a huge gap between when you were filming the movie originally to you know, more recently when you did the airplane scene? So uh, um, when Chris, do you want to take it or do you want me to, to uh, go for it, man, go for it. So um, after a film was accidentally discovered in 2003 and we started getting all these invitations, the screener um, folks would ask us, Hey, what about, you know, loved it, but what about the airplane scene? And we explained that, you know, uh, back then we, we actually had intended to shoot the airplane scene. I, I storyboarded it and everything. Um, but here's the thing. We have to shoot around an airplane and, and blow it up. And how are we going to do that? Um, you know, and, you know, our best idea for getting a plane was to scale the chain link fence at Ocean Springs Airport and shoot around a single engine airplane, you know, somebody's gorilla style. Um, but that's not a very good plan. Um, and ultimately, the plane's supposed to blow up, of course, right? So 
our best plan for that was maybe to build a model scale of the plane, maybe half 50% and blow it up with, uh, of all things, a pipe bomb. Uh, I asked this delinquent kid in my like shop class for a pipe bomb recipe and he obliged. And uh, Jason and I remember driving out to Chris's grandfather's farm for a test with a bag of fertilizer and a, and uh, the equivalent of a stick of dynamite. And thank God it, it didn't work. And, and that's just as well. So, and around that time, we realized, well, you know, it's the only scene that in Raiders that is, well, actually extraneous. You can go right from Indian Mary and escaping the wall souls right to the truck scene. And for years, that's, uh, and, and since 1989 until recently, that's, that was how our film played. But uh, it was immensely satisfying to finally be able to, to drop that in and have it be complete after 35 years. I think you know it, it speaks again to to that dedication to going back years later and and revisiting that. Um, when you came back and revisited it, did you guys have any issues with uh, you know copyright, like with Lucasfilm or even you know Disney, since Disney now obviously owns Lucasfilm? Uh, did you guys have any issues with that? We didn't. Uh, I mean, we you know it's we've. Uh, our, our fan film and the journey that we've sort of been on and has is, is a unique one, you know, and it's pushed the fan film genre as, you know, pretty, it's, we've pushed the envelope in regards to the fan film genre uh, in many regards. And, and we've been extremely lucky uh, because we've navigated everything very respectfully. And so, so the answer to your question is no, we never really got any, any, any pushback or, uh, or reticence or, you know, cease and desist letters or legal uh, entanglements or anything like that. Um, you know, Lucasfilm contacted us many years ago because they wanted a copy of the movie. Um, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I think the closest we came was that, you know, Mr. Spielberg's office contacted us when we were doing our Kickstarter campaign and had some, uh, you know, uh, minor minor so, changes into some of the language but that was nothing nothing with the flying wing scene and nothing with anything that we've done in fact you know we've had the opposite experience where they really sort of embraced us and and uh if you can believe it you know the sound for the airplane scene was all done at skywalker ranch and oh wow and many and and many of the you know much of the sound was sort of overseen by the master himself ben burt and um, so we've been incredibly lucky. I mean, Paramount came out in London when we did our premiere in the UK at Le uh, Leicester Square um, and, you know, embraced us there. And, and we just haven't had any issues. We've done a lot of fundraising. We've done a lot of charity work um, and, and, you know, those sorts of things. So we've tried to give back uh, to educational uh, things uh, along the way and, and tried to create a balance. Um, so they have left us alone. That's really, really cool. And also a, a little bit surprising because you know how careful you have to be to get around copyright, but really what you guys did is kind of a, a love letter in a way to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, we, yeah, we like to, to think so, you know, uh, 
um, whenever, you know, when before uh, the the documentary even, uh, Chris and I toured for over a decade, um, you know, uh, you know, from Sitka, Alaska to Sydney, Australia. And one thing we found is uh, at each town we visited, uh, you know, when we would occasionally hear from, like, say, the someone who worked at the local video store that copies of Raiders uh, were all rented out for like weeks before um, uh, the event and then later told us after as well. So if anything, we'd like to think we put money into the coffers of the copyright holders. Um, you know, uh, certainly if so, um, you know, that's meaningful for us as much as we love uh, the canon. No, absolutely. Now, a couple of more questions. I know you guys only have, uh, have a short time, but I, one thing that I had to ask What's the funniest moment or story you have from filming the Raiders fan film? <laughs> mm, the funniest. Um, I Well, I mean, one story that sticks in my head is uh, when Eric and I were shooting the Cairo street fight, uh, the basket sequence uh, where, you know, Indy is chasing, um, you know, a group of Arabs uh, through the streets and trying to find... Marion in the basket, and we had uh, set up our, our set in downtown Gulfport, in the alleyways of Gulfport, and and we had some uh, some arguments with some of the shop owners, and moved our set to one side of the alleyway, hoping that it would rectify the situation. But what ended up happening is that, is that there was this sort of grouchy old man. Um, who was, I guess, one of the owners of the of the restaurants or buildings or shops in that area that called the police. And so I think three or four squad cars showed up along with, like, a private unmarked detective car because the the, the man had, had told him um, we were um, uh, shooting uh, 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 porn films. Uh, so... Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, so. don't know where he got that from, except he figured it would make Gulfport's finest turnout quickly. And if so, he was absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah, so though, that was... they, uh, they, they inspected and found there was nothing to that. So, uh, you know, and as Chris mentioned, we managed to move it over to the other side of the alley, um, to the side of the, the alley uh, with the owner that we did have permission with. So we were able to claim that we had uh, permission to be there and shoot and all, all ultimately ended well, but God, that was, uh, that was a weird day. Mm -hmm. You got to do what you got to do to get it to work. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, um, Eric, you had mentioned to me, uh, through email that you're going to be appearing on a uh, Comic-Con themed cruise, uh, here fairly soon. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a Comic-Con themed cruise called Fan 2C. That's Fan, the number two, and C is in ocean. And uh, it's this, uh, this four-day cruise going to Key West and Cozumel, Mexico, leaving out of Tampa. It goes from January 19th through the 23rd, and they've got a lineup that, as a fan, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm on there as uh, uh, introducing a double feature of the documentary, and um, and our film, as well as doing an Indiana Jones-themed uh, pub quiz. So that should be fun. But um, among the, the lineup that I, I can't wait uh, about is uh, Frank Miller, who, like, never does these things, um, along with the Dark Knight 3 team. 
They've got the cast of Stranger Things, uh, Walking Dead, and Gardens of the Galaxy 2. And this whole cavalcade of uh, legendary comic book artists, uh, movie artists, um, uh, amazing folks, these, uh, these uh, nerd burlesque dancers, uh, uh, really amazing podcasts, a uh, whole, whole bunch of stuff. Uh, it's going to be absolutely mind-blowing. So I'm, uh, I'm truly, truly excited. So that's Fan2C, um, and they're, they're currently booking now. That sounds like one of the coolest things ever. I mean, it's a cruise. You've got <laughs> yeah. celebrities, uh, comic book artists, and the Raiders fan film. So, yeah, I I can't wait. We um we recently finished a, a four month uh, sixty four city tour uh, to support the documentary. Um, you know, and uh, uh, going to be very relieved to do no more driving. Uh, <laughs> and. And best of all, you know, the irony, uh, it was such a, um, a crazy time on the road all, that we're all the, all these cinemas across the country, but, uh, no time to watch any movies. So it's like water, water all around and not a drop to drink. But on this cruise, they actually have like, uh, tw- uh, Lord of the Rings extended edition marathon, uh, screenings out by the pool. You know, I, so I, I plan to gorge myself on all the cinema that I've been missing out on. Absolutely. Do you guys have yeah. any social media that you'd like to plug? Sure. Uh, you know, you can find Raiders Guys on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And Twitter is at Raiders Guys. Same uh, uh, Instagram is the Raiders Guys. And um, I'm sorry, uh, Raiders Guys on Instagram as well. And then Facebook, it's the Raiders Guys. So we're we're across uh, across all platforms and. Um, you can also check us out at www.raidersguys.com uh, at our website and on our Facebook page. Uh, we offer um, a lot of really great um, sort of Raiders merch, uh, Blu-rays of the documentary, um, uh, the fan film, T-shirts, posters, uh, the Alan Eisenstock book, um, uh, and and much much more in terms of Raiders collectibles. So um, you know that helps us uh, you know recoup costs from the tour and the plane scene, and uh, helps us out. So uh, we're also really good at communication, and, and uh, reach out to us, send us an email, uh, you know, and stay in touch. Fantastic. Well, guys, I, I wanted to say in closing, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to do the interview. At you, know, you guys have, I think, a really awesome story, and thank you for sharing it. Thanks, Derek, for having Derek, us on. Pleasure. appreciate your – yep, thanks for your support. Indeed. Thank you. Enjoyed it. My thanks again to Eric and Chris for coming on the show and sharing their wonderful story of how they made their fantastic Raiders fan film. And don't forget, if you want to watch the full story on how their fan film was made, you can check out the Raiders story of the greatest fan film ever made documentary on Netflix and follow them on social media. And their links are in the episode description. And also, don't forget, you can check out past episodes of this show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter. My personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond. The show page is at D Diamond Podcast. And just search for The Derek Diamond Experience on Facebook. And as a new addition uh, that's happened this year, the Derek Diamond Experience is now on Instagram. Just search for D Diamond Podcast and you can follow me on Instagram. And I believe that does it. 
So thank you once again for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Tuesday. Are you looking for new original music? If so, you should check out my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are very important to this podcast. They're a local indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida, and they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is D-Rock from their upcoming album, Thunder Snow, which will be out very, very soon. But you can check out some of their past music on Bandcamp. Just go over to bandcamp.com and search for the Unicorn Wranglers. And you can find Murder Mystery Night, 95 Flannel, and their EP Atomics for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, free. You can also follow them on social media. They're on Twitter and Instagram at Wranglers. Search for the Unicorn Wranglers on Facebook. And finally, be sure to check out their website, unicornwranglers.com.